morning and welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey and it's a beautiful day. Um, it's uh, hitting 50 degrees uh, today, which is uh, truly a blessing uh, this March. Um, I'm joined uh, this morning by a hip hop artist uh, whose most recent uh, project SC2 dropped last summer, but uh, he also dropped a single called No Stranger that came out in August. Um, I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does. Thank you very much, Yo Dot, for joining me today. What's up? What's up, Ben? Good morning, everybody out there. Good afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. What's up? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever people decide uh, to tune in, um, <laughs> how uh, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You know, uh, definitely you get your spirits uh, up when. Uh, weather starts to change when we transition from winter to potentially spring and uh just enjoying uh the uh the pleasure of not just uh as far as musically working for a deadline just naturally organically just creating man so i'm in a good space good. Yeah, that's the best way to be for sure you know not so pressurized you're working on your own time it's good man you know i'm an early riser i i, I start uh actually my, my sleeping pattern just being kind of irregular like I'll take a late day nap at about like eight, nine. And I try to watch like world news or YouTube or something end up dozing before I know it, it's 1am, 2am. And before I know it, it's 4am. And now I'm falling back to sleep just to wake up at nine. But I, I got the irregular pattern, sleep pattern down, but I'm good, man. I'm in good spirits. Uh, just trying to incorporate some more uh, routine exercises within the day as far as the weather breaking and, you know, just trying to, this 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 fine-tuned machine just going, you know, that that we call a human body. Right. Hey, it, it helps that we've got this natural light uh, beaming on our faces uh, today, you know? We're we're glowing. We're <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good though. Uh, it's good to, I mean, I get that being a creative can find some kind of uh, irregular sleeping patterns, but um I'm a firm believer that like the more you wake up before the rest of your surroundings do mm. like just the better spirits you'll be in so um definitely man but uh yeah everything's everything man sure is so that all being said what we talk about a Mr. Nice Guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and so um yeah I've been following your work for a little while now you know since I uh, started covering um helping Alan uh, with covering uh, the daily releases in the past year, uh, came across your project last summer. Um, yeah, it's really dig a lot of your um, like confrontational energy, but I still, but like in a way where I'm still like not afraid to like approach you and like talk to you and like really like hear about what you're about. And we'll definitely talk about uh, all of what you've been up to in the last year for sure, but first. Uh, where we usually start. Uh, so you are you originally from Milwaukee? Yeah, born and raised in Milwaukee, uh, Northwest Side. Uh, I originally was born on, uh, I want to say, 21st and Vine, which is kind of like right off of the Brown Street area. Was there, then uh, migrated to about 36 and Brown. Finally, got my early teen years, resided like in the Sherman Park area, uh, Burlock. So definitely born and raised. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so I guess um, I'd love to hear about just kind of like 
the role that music played in your life when you were younger, like when you were a kid? What did you listen to? What did you grow up on? That sort of thing. No, that's kind of it's weird, man, because uh, not to sound like uh, I'm into astrology or just this uh, magical person, but I'm, I'm, I'm really too intuitive. So when I when I was younger, when I was like three, four years old, I can remember uh, basically uh, faint uh, visions of uh, listening to Run DMC and actually liking the music. And of course, at that time, that was like the the spawn of MT, the MTV era, you know, with Run DMC and all those dudes. So I was exposed to a lot of that. But uh, I think what really kind of captivated me to uh, be focused on music was uh, the early 90s. Of course, uh, I was born in 85, but uh, seeing Criss Cross, uh, a, a younger artist at that age, uh, being able to basically uh, uh, pretty much hold their own weight amongst, you know, these these hip hop giants snooping them and still have the same pizzazz characteristics. I'm like, I can do that, you know, you know. So uh, that definitely started it. And then the first time I wrote a rap was when I was seven years old. I was in first grade, my first grade teacher. I never forget it. Uh, I believe her name, what was her name? Uh, was this, was this first grade? It might've been second or third grade, but anyway, uh, it was, uh, the assignment was a jingle. So you basically had to, write a jingle pitch of your favorite product and present it in front of the class. So I did my own uh, parody of, of nothing but a G thing from Dr. Dre. So I basically flipped the one, two, three into the four and uh, I incorporated it to uh, a clothing brand, Carl Kanai Khaki. So that was my pitch and uh, it was a partnering group assignment. So I ended up actually writing my partner's verse too. So I did a little ghost writing earlier on. So <laughs> that definitely, motivated me earlier on like man this is you know something that you know just sonically speaks to me so that, that definitely uh motivated me early on like age seven age eight yeah i was gonna say that's a bold endeavor uh for seven eight years old you know uh um, man it could have been traumatic like presenting in front of a classroom you know uh, just have it was definitely some butterflies but just to go through the whole process was, was pretty heroic for a seven-year-old eight-year-old yeah. Yeah, and it foreshadowed a gift you would find you really had with, um, uh, you know, the the music that uh, you would uh, end up making yourself. So beyond that, yeah, like, um, how did it kind of all start for you? When did it become a creative outlet for yourself? Uh, so periodically during the age eight, seven to about 12, 13, I will always flirt with... Uh, the idea of writing rhymes and things like that. But when I actually started to format my craft, I met an older gentleman that uh, is definitely a, a staple here in the, in the Milwaukee music scene. His name is Corey Smith. Uh, he founded a label called Midwest Funk Records. And uh, it was the first time I ever seen a promotional van wrapped as far as with their, the artists, the upcoming. So I was like 13, 14, 15. And at this time, I'm in the Sherman Park area, and my grandmother stays right across the street from me. So I would hear, uh, I would see this van every day. And so I would do my research a little bit, you know, pre-internet. It kind of, you know, like, okay, these guys are serious. You know, they got barcoded uh, product, CDs, tapes, everything. So uh, uh, I approached them one day and uh, basically spit a rap. And uh, it was a process as far as uh, the gentleman, Corey, which is a uh, name. Uh, known as Big City. That's his, his stage name. Big City 
for him to actually warm up to me. And, you know, and I get it because at the time, his atmosphere wasn't the ideal atmosphere for a teenage kid, you know, as far as, you know, with whatever they indulge in to get their creative juices going and stuff like that. But uh, slowly but surely, uh, a Big City owned a liquor store. His family owned a liquor store on Fond du Lac Avenue. So that was kind of my end way. I would go to the liquor store every day and just, you know, hang around. They would play their new music. And then I gradually kind of wiggled my way into a being across the street, being in the studio and being around these 25, 26 year olds with tough criticism at that. So it was kind of an artist development stage. But once I got around Big City and uh, his his label, Midwest Funk Records, intertwined with the label, the artists, is, I, I got the whole gist of, of what it takes to record in the studio, uh, song concepts and just being in, around like an organic hip hop environment that helped me hone my skills. Sure. Oh, that's that's awesome. But I'm saving it for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no kidding. Um, what? Uh, so how old were you at that point? I was like 15. And it was it was tough, man, because uh, at the time, you know, my mother, uh, which was a single mom, uh, she really didn't really get the the whole uh, idea of me being in this environment, and what my passion was. She just seen me hanging around a whole bunch of adults. So I was kind of limited. So in a sense, I was kind of sneaking around there, just being in an environment. But uh, uh, on the flip side, just the exposure, uh, you know, I got into my first nightclub when I was like 16. Uh, I got to be on a bill at the Riverside uh, in like 2001, 2002. And mind you, I'm like 17. And at the time, uh, he's uh, big cities buying me like embroidered jackets with the label logo on. So I'm feeling like, you know, this, this is it. I, I belong here. So that whole uh, experience, man, helped me uh, earlier on. And I really think if I didn't have that experience at that time, 15, 16, almost like a, I wouldn't say a LeBron James, but an athlete just kind of getting groomed, you know, I probably wouldn't have excelled and progressed as much as I did in, in, my, in my 20s and in my 30s. Yeah, like a mentor, mentee sort of situation. Absolutely. Like he taught me how to count bar measures taught me how to construct songs. At that time, a lot of recording uh, equipment wasn't digital. It was all like uh, analog. So ADAT tapes to look like the VHS tapes, I would have to buy those from this music store called uh, Crafts Keyboard and stuff like that. And, and just, you know, really just kind of get adjust accustomed to the system to the point uh, I started to show and prove. And I got like a quote unquote, like a release date within the, you know, the label, like, you know, this is when you're dropping get in here and record albums. So I, I felt kind of honored to, you know, to make it to that point. Wow. Man, that's pretty cool. Like, for one, yeah, that was like the era of like Windows 98 and shit, gateway computers. Um, definitely pre-digital. Um, <laughs> hard to envision these days. But also, yeah, like, at, you know, as a, as a teenager and it, like, um, just having that like that conduit to creativity and having and learn and getting that like creative discipline from a young age um, that a lot of people don't get until later on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I credit saving me uh, from a lot of the distractions in, in my neighborhood, you know, not to say that I didn't indulge, but just to have that, that, that safe haven as far as to be there when a lot of 
you know, particular stuff started to happen and transpire. And then mind you, at that time too, what motivated me was uh, the Bow Wows, uh, Lil Wayne's coming out at the time with Cat, uh, Young Guns are signed to Rockefeller with Jay-Z. So these, all these like adolescent acts where, you know, I'm in a competitive mindset. Like I'm, I'm just as good at these guys. It's just, you know, I'm not in the right market in order to kind of get that exposure. So a lot of that motivated me as well. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That that was really big in the two thousands for sure. The youth like, really getting like championed by Ash Cow for the industry at that time. Like just youth rap. Not to say they didn't reemerge and keep keeping everybody, but man, I was definitely like the Cash Cow in music at that time. Certainly. Yeah. Um, what was your uh, What was your first tape? Uh, my first tape that I put together was uh, around the time I met a. Uh, my musical cohort, uh, David Baldwin, AKA Prophetic from here. Uh, we formed a uh, collective called Umbrella Music Group around 2007, 2005-ish, between that two year span. And uh, the first tape that I put out that got like uh, local media press and uh, stuff like that was called Dot Balistrary. And it was an ode to uh, basically the, the Balistrary family. It was, it was around a time when a lot of hip hop was inspired by like mafioso themes. So, I kind of tied that, you know, uh, domestically here as far as locally, you know, and I basically coined that as the, the, the title of the project. It was like, oh man, that was when people were doing like 20 track projects. So it was like 20 songs on there. But uh, for my first release, uh, as far as having cover art, press and stuff like that, and me curating everything, formatting everything, I think I did a good job. Certainly, yeah, it's dope. Um, so beyond that, um, so actually, before we before we go go there, how, so uh, how did you become Yo Dot? Uh, where'd that name come from? Yo Dot. So uh, originally, my rap name was Yola, Y O L A, uh, and basically, there was an artist uh, on a national scale that was signed to Ti that had the name DG Yola. So. I'm thinking it just would have been a conflict of uh, as far as name rights and stuff like that. Uh, I'm a big Jay-Z fan. So uh, when I was going by the Monkey or Yola, I would always uh, kind of refer to the alter ego in my songs, Yo Dot, at the beginning of my songs, you know. And at that time, Jay-Z had S Dot, you know, which was kind of one of his alter egos. So it kind of basically uh, evolved from that. And then from there, I started going uh, by Yodot to kind of distinguish the name Yola to not have any legal issues. And uh, I've developed it into an acronym, which stands for yesterday only determines our tomorrow. Everything in the past shapes our present. Absolutely, man. So I, I definitely, uh, it's not something that I faithfully uh, revert to, but I, I think it definitely uh, fits my lifestyle and my experiences and, and kind of like my, my mantra as far as, you know, as, how I conduct my days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, tell me about as we would get into the 2010s, what was your uh, career looking like by then? It was dope. Uh, uh, what really helped uh, collectively uh, Umbrella Music Group was uh, Pharrell Williams actually signed a gentleman by the name of D.A. Walwick that was a part of a two-man band called Chester French that was signed to Star Trek. And uh, uh D.A. Wallach actually uh, developed a relationship with Prophetic and that relationship developed through Pharrell. So there was a lot of fun times as far as uh, 
being able to contact uh, Pharrell's manager at the time, this gentleman named Nick, and if NERD were touring any Big Ten schools in the Midwest, we were invited in advance. Uh, Pharrell, uh, you know, if he was doing any book signings, if we were, you know, if they had access, they would fly us out. So that helped us with the notoriety locally. And what I was doing uh, personally was uh, I always had a big name as far as battle rap. Like uh, I was one of the big battle rap juggernauts before it kind of, I wouldn't say uh, kind of got saturated as far as the scene and everything on a national scale, even on a worldwide scale. But uh, I was doing uh, this rap battle league called Grind Time and Grind Time had a uh, agreement through World Star. So I was getting exposure through World Star like 2009, 2010. Uh, year to date, I think I got half a million views as far as the two battles that I had posted on there. So I was doing that in conjunction with still balancing my artist career because from a marketing standpoint, I was like, if I don't have any projects out uh, in between releases, you know, I could be having notoriety being built by me doing battles. So that was, that was my thinking. So that's what really helped us out. And then as well as uh, uh, getting a lot of uh, big stage performance opening bills from Panther Fest to Drave to Marquette, uh, you, you name it, man. Uh, shout out to my boy, Prophetic David Baldwin. Uh, he's he's a genius when it comes to just uh, work meeting rooms and being cordial and just being articulate and just getting this message of, and, and, and selling it to people in order for them to buy in, so. For sure, big shout out, dope. Um, so, I'd love to hear a little bit about, so self-checkout, self-checkout two, uh, these tapes that you dropped in the last couple of years. So, or SC2 as it's abbreviated. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of like conceptually, like what place these projects were coming from and just kind of like what, um, yeah, it's like where you were at and what these projects like meant to you um, when you were making them and whatnot. Self-checkout, uh, the self-checkout series was a series created uh, by my partner, producer, homie in crime. He's actually Umbrella Music alum because he's like in-house producer, my homeboy, Plaga Music. And uh, I would say the significance of it, it was just, uh, we live in an autonomous envir uh, uh, environment uh, as far as uh, our uh, society, you know, everything is accessible to us at our exposure or our, at our convenience. So, you know, I, I feel like that kind of tied in to, uh, naming uh the series as far as self-checkout you know uh definitely uh especially with the streaming air and things like that so i wouldn't say cliche you know check me out yourself or anything like that but it's it's, it's up to you to uh consume as far as my, my music and my content and uh we developed that from that and uh which kind of tied into the the whole self-checkout uh thing at the supermarket which kind of put a spin on it but uh yeah that's what it came from just as far as just living in an autonomous society and us just basically being able to consume things that we like and we want at our convenience. Yeah. Yeah. It's which can be dangerous too. <laughs> it sure can be. Right. Just the instant gratification for sure. Um and uh and I noticed in in the last song uh on SC2, there's definitely some political commentary just this really divisive political climate we're in right now is definitely been, and the injustices definitely sounds like it's been influencing you too. Yeah, it's crazy, Ben, because uh, that song was sometimes was recorded in August of 2019, I want to say. So right before the pandemic hit and 
you know, not to say that you know, I'm a prophet or anything, but it's just crazy how that that song uh, aligns with the signs. I mean, the times that we're living in significantly. So, but yeah, man, it was one of those nights that, you know, I was just kind of, you know, having some some personal issues as far as what I was observing, you know, on a, on a new standpoint, uh, from the media standpoint, and then just me just dealing with some some internal issues. And then it, it just all just got incorporated into the song and, and it turned out dope, you know. I think when uh, I make those type of uh, songs that lean towards vulnerability, it kind of helps me to kind of, translate to the consumers a lot more effectively yeah certainly yeah um especially with like the opening um monologue where'd that come from ah man you know uh i forgot what i said somebody gonna hate they're gonna relate some of but uh it's you know just one of those things uh i like uh kind of add texture to my to my songs uh i will record a song and I feel this needs an intro or, you know, sometimes the most organic things during the recording versus what we edit kind of uh, can provide that that personable type of intimate feel for the consumer. So I, I left that in there. It's one of those things where I was getting a mic check, uh, but, you know, I was like, leave it in. It kind of, you know, correlates to the concept. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually going to um, pull up the track list here. Um, I, tell me about Yeah, Man. Yeah, man, that, that was dope, man. It was one of those beats I got from El Plaga, Child Plaga Music, and uh, man, this is crazy, man. Like, and I'm one of those dudes that I like to switch, uh, you know, like uh, my, my cadence as far as my delivery. When you know, I'm, I'm a real lyrical dude, so yeah. things when uh, I heard it, and uh, I'm just basically scatting, freestyling, and the flea red hot chili peppers joint. You know, give it away, yeah. I'm like bitch. You know what I mean? So. It was just one of those that just sonically grabbed me and uh, just kind of challenged me to kind of kind of play with the delivery a little bit, but not too much, keeping it traditional, yo, dot. But it was one of those that just really just got me in the element of just creatively just trying to come up with the most craziest shit I could at the time. Yeah, that shit was fire. <laughs> yeah, I fucked with that one heavy. Um, and then FFV with Prophecy. Um, yeah. Tell me about this one. Homeboy, uh, Prophetic. Shout out Prophecy. He actually goes by Prophecy. I've been calling Prophecy. Oh, okay. Sure. He's going to probably kill me now, Prophecy. Uh, <laughs> but that's one of those joints, man, uh, that was just like, it just it just spoke to me sonically again. And uh, just one of those things where there, there wasn't any direction. It's just whatever, right what you feel at the time. You know, uh, I'm a top-notch dude with a far-fetched vision. It's just, you know, I like to write from a from a space of empowerment a lot when I, I write because you know not to say that I'm overly confident in myself but I, I kind of like to speak to a lot of my attributes and uh, Propezy actually resides in Atlanta Georgia now and he just happened to be in town and uh, I, I I missed recording with my friends so it was like one of those things like dude you gotta get on this man and it wasn't intended to go on a project it was just one of those things like he was in town he was available to break away from the family to come to the studio and. It, turned out to be an organic joint it was crazy is uh the melody on the chorus was actually uh i put a little auto tune on it but uh it was actually i, I tried to harmonize it uh naturally and then i called the engineer up i'm like yo tweak this for me but it came out to be dope sonically it's, it's a real big record and i'm just proud of how it came out oh yeah 
good shit. That's tight. Um, and then of course, uh, no stranger. Um, so, I mean, this song is uh pretty self-explanatory in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're rapping about like how you are, you know, you're, you're very familiar with, uh, the nature of like, you know, the lifestyle and, and the grind and stuff like that. What, what, uh, enticed you uh to to put this one out uh no stranger uh was one of those uh joints that didn't make the the final cut as far as when i initially released sc2 but uh i think the i think what uh basically brought no stranger about is just me just letting you know my younger peers know that you know you know i I may get a little older you know I, i may not be physically you know, pretty much around the environment as much, but I'm still in tune, you know, I'm still alert. I'm still aware of that. And also just trying to put a little substance into uh, the music as far as to tell the, my, my younger cohorts and peers, like, you know, we, we got to kind of think beyond uh, what we see in front of us, you know. Yeah. I, I work in sales, so I'm big on the root cause, root cause analysis. And what I mean by that is like, why did the chicken cross the road? Uh, to get to the other side. Why did he get to the other side? Because there was a hole in the fence. Why was there a hole in the fence? Because the farmer didn't buy the proper materials to build the yeah. fence. I'm, right. I'm always just trying to, you know, uh, stay two steps ahead. And that was another jewel or message I wanted to put in there, man. Like, you know, because a lot of times, and I get it, you know, it's not their fault because the, uh, but a lot of times at that age, we kind of have uh, shallow perceptions of certain stuff. So I just want to, uh, the, the younger generation to stay intuitive and just be alert. But I'm always alert, Ben. That's definitely was the significance of that song. Oh yeah, certainly. No, I I, I like what you're saying there. Um, because I think about root cause analysis a lot. Like people do not really like assess like one event to another as it pertains to causality. And like, I mean, you look at that a lot in politics right now and and the social climate where it's like you know people are mad about the way oppressed folks are reacting but it's like well they're reacting for a reason it's like if things weren't oppressive in the first place if there weren't all these injustices then people wouldn't be so mad and pissed right now so it's like like you said having just a really shallow narrow perception of like what's right in front of you versus like, well, how do we get here? Um, And that ties really well into what you were, what we were talking about earlier about how you said that like in the 2000s, there were a lot of young cats that were infiltrating the industry, um, late nineties, early 2000s for sure. And how there's like a resurgence of that definitely with increasingly you know, uh, just a lot of young, talented artists that are in their teens, pretty much, that are blowing up on streaming platforms that are really being um, claimed by the industry to, to to perpetuate some kind of, like, image of, like, oh, yeah, like, young people can be dope, like, you can be dope, too, and, and shit like that. But it, But at the same time, there's a lot of implications with that, and, like, how... A lot of people enter this this uh, these territories just not having that experience or just not knowing yeah. any better and being very vulnerable. 
being susceptible, being easily manipulated, um, and uh, not knowing how to cope with it either. Absolutely. Um, especially with like drug use and shit like that. Absolutely. A lot of times I, I say it is, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, a gift and a curse. Uh, 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 one thing that's uh, a void as far as in today's music, as far as uh, being able to, to manage those younger artists is artist development. There is no artist development anymore. And uh, it's almost became uh, a stigma uh, to the younger artists like, oh, uh, you know, older person, I don't you, don't, you don't have to tell me anything because I have this money, I have these finances, I know what to do, I'll figure it out. And I'm a firm believer a trial and error myself, you know, not to say that everything that, all the advice that you get is gonna be sound and basically uh, reflect your life. But yeah, artist development definitely is missing. And uh, it hurts because it kind of draws a, a divided line between the now generation and, it, and the legacy generation that's basically moved on. But, you know, that's that's where I come in and play, Ben, as far as bridging the gap and being able to articulate my message like, yo, I wanna see you progress. I, I, I wanna see you as the biggest artist, but at the same time, uh, there's some things that prevented me. Here's a list of things where I, I, I fucked up at. Take this and review it and, you know, and come to me if you need for consultation. So that's another thing that I eventually want my career to evolve into is just like artist consultation. Uh, there's a few younger artists that I actually come to my studio a lot frequently. And I just like them to just be around the environment. I sometimes don't even charge them. I just let them record. And I, I get advice sometimes uh, as far as uh, from my experiences what to work. And hopefully they take some of that information and apply it to their life. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm connecting all of the dots of yo dot right now. <laughs> all right. Like, well, because there's a, there's just like a lot of things to touch on with this conversation. Like, where, for one, you were one of these young artists at one point. You, when you were like 15, 16, you know, you got in cahoots with. Uh, Guys that were very were already established in the scene and in the industry, and uh, like they took that they took you under their wing at the time, and you learned a lot of things early. Um, but like you said, there that is not always the case. Like, um, especially with and this is where I'm going to tie in self checkout. Mm -hmm talking about the instant gratification and talking about just how quickly things are accessible and this the, the clout culture and how everyone just wants to keep out doing others and everyone just it's all a matter of like what you what you what like image you're conveying through like the internet right now and how a lot there's just such a it's just that's a really hollow way to to like um, ascend in in the industry and in society these days, you know, like there's where there's, you know, you're talking about artist development and how it's severely lacking these days. You're right, um, because everyone just wants the quickest route to success, and they skip steps and they get ahead of themselves and they aren't ready to digest the just how the scrutiny that comes with basically every aspect of your life and your career being shed light on by the media and by, you know, by people that 
don't actually know the real you and shit like that. And that's why artist development and taking time to really like, you know, find not only find your sound and find your identity as an artist, but also like, yeah, learn the marketing aspects, the branding aspects, the developing like incremental goals, you know, like learning how to manage your finances properly, like having the proper rollouts and shit like that. Like those are all things that are just so crucial to not be overlooked. And I'm, I'm really glad that there's a figure like you that really sees this happening and like wants to step in and help people not succumb to, you know, just the, the, um, the microwavable world that we live in right now. It's, it's dope. Only reason I, I kind of, you know, it triggered me because I, I kind of found out I'm cool to the younger generation in a sense, but now nah, I, I, uh, I, I have experience as far as, uh, uh, retaining a, a publicist back in the day it was me, uh, Prop Easy and the Cranberry Show, and I took a lot of those uh, those tools as far as the the publicist setting up a 30, 60, 90 day outlook plan as far as how he wants to roll out the project each week, uh, how he wants to basically entice the consumer on, on, on certain social media platforms. So I, I took a page out of that book and, and, I, and I share it with a lot of younger artists so they have some type of structure because I tell a lot of artists uh, locally, like ideally, uh, even indie artists, uh, industry artists, their years already, their itineraries planned out like 12 months in advance. So they just go, they just, just keep going to the appointed stop. So everything, so you almost have to set yourself up in advance. So that's definitely something I always uh, communicate to, to the younger artists here. Totally, absolutely. Yeah, like it's okay to have your head in the clouds, but you gotta keep your feet on the ground sure um that all being said uh what are you working on now man i'd love to hear about what you uh what man, you got going on. i'm just uh i would say a mad scientist in a, in, a, in the studio right now but now i got two projects uh slated for release this year uh one is going to be uh well actually three <laughs> i'll take that back one is actually going to be the prequel to self check out three which we've coined the threequel. And uh, that's actually gonna be accompanied uh, by a mini short film. I found these two dope videographers, man. These these guys, I was gonna call them kids. These guys are no more than like 1920. Uh, his name is Abdul and Miguel, uh, one's from lacrosse. Uh, he, come down, he comes down to Milwaukee to intern and shoots a lot of the University of Milwaukee men's basketball games. And another gentleman by the name of Abdul, that's a Milwaukee native. Uh, they are fire, man, as far as their eyes for cinematography. Uh, so they're going to work on a short film with me. Uh, I have a project with Lex with the records. Uh, dope producer here, man. I definitely would uh, uh, suggest anybody to look into Lex with the records. He has a lot of big industry placements. We have a project called Dystopia that's basically uh, fully produced by uh, Lex with the records. Uh, without letting anything out the bag, we're basically in talks with uh, a... Uh, India's distributor that uh, basically distributed his last project with an artist by the name of Passport Rav from New York City that uh, had a, a dope release. So Lex with the Records, Dystopia, Threequel, and then finally Cell Checkout 3. So that, that's what I'm working on. And in conjunction with that, I'm just recording a plethora of a song to just kind of keep the, the machine oiled and running. Super dope, man. You're doing a lot of this. A lot, <laughs> of, a lot of mad scientist shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, 
that's that's wonderful that's that's great you you you're really abiding by uh you know the the, the principles um that you you hold true being as you're planning these things step by step and um yeah you, you got a lot in the chamber very exciting as always uh I'm, I'm big on integrity man like even when i try to lie it comes out like the truth man so uh you know, uh, it, it sucks because, you know, uh, sometimes in life, if you have an integrity, you lose a lot of friends and family and stuff like that because people's right. morals and perspectives changes. But uh, I'm, I'm the same guy, you know, from day one is just all about evolving, but just keeping the same morals and values. Totally. Great, man. Uh, well, as we're closing out here, uh, I ask everyone the same two questions. Uh, the yeah. first one is uh, what keeps you up at night? My son. <laughs> what's have, your son's son's name name's austin i have a four well soon to be 14 year old son i've been raising my son for the past five years and uh with quarantine and everything is going on and he's a big cod gamer like he has his own uh youtube channel, uh i forgot it's macro ninja he, he, he uh plays cod with this guy named erasable ninja that has like 2.4 subs on like youtube like so yeah he's up all night you know, starting over 1v1. Why didn't you follow me? Why didn't you follow me? And I'm <laughs> texting him, like, trying to sleep. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. I feel I I was him at one point not too long ago, so I get it. <laughs> um, what uh, The second question is, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Uh, I've been big. Uh, I'm, I've been a big postage note enthusiast, man. So as long as my checklist, as far as my daily obligations are checked off and uh, a nice little nightcap, and you know, I might pour me a nice glass of tequila or something like that and uh sports center. And I'm good to go, man. T I got to have TV on, man. That, that's a must. I don't know why. I don't know where I developed that from. <laughs> nice. I, I'm big on the nightcap too. So good shit. Uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Uh, really love talking to you. Man, no, no doubt, Ben. Whatever you need this way, man, just let me know, man. Salute to Breaking the Internet. Shout out to Alan, man. I appreciate y'all, man, just basically breaking the mold and being trailblazers for the, the newer artists and all the legacy guys like myself. Hell yeah, man. Well, yeah, real quick, just want to big shout out to Alan once again. He, if, if it weren't for him, like, and, like, you know, this platform we've been able to build, like, I don't, man, I don't know what the hell I would do with myself. I thought you had some pitchfork questions for me. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> that's, we're actually going to. It doesn't even bother me, man. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because when it comes to media, uh, especially uh, digital media versus print media, they're not going to do this big research and background thing. They're just going to gather whatever resources they have out there. That bam, bam, put it together, post. And so, Quick you know. Bait. Yeah, it's whatever's yeah. gonna yeah I, I get the local artists grievances here that are, are kind of saying some stuff but after it's print it's it's going to happen to anybody you can be a national artist and they're probably going to misconstrue stuff and, and and you know it's just because they have a lack of resources right yeah no you're right uh but that's exactly why like we need to us as local blogs need to be most authentic <laughs> with our Alan put the breaking enter and capes on it and come to say it today. Yes. We're have no fear. We're here. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, thanks again, man, uh, for everyone watching. Uh, be sure to stream uh, Yo Dot Self Checkout uh, SC2. Uh, go get uh, No Stranger. We got several projects uh, 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 cooking uh, that uh, we're looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We're losing count. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got plenty uh, he's working on. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, what, he, what he's up to in the next couple months. And uh, thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. As always, we'll see you next time.